With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are YWales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, YWales, wherever in the world you are. So as always, it's it's an ever-evolving asset class. And as we move through Web3, we see quite a bit of you know crypto projects, NFT projects, utility projects, DAO projects. There's so much going on. And so we just combined it all into a single person here with Ryan. Um, <laughs> I, I, Ryan has, has got a very storied background. There's, you know... You, Without us like literally reading through his LinkedIn uh, page, you know you've been in the space really since since early you know early days. Um, I'll give you OG status because you've clearly earned it. Um, and and so really, this is going to be a, a fabulous interview. I've got as always Kat Cohen from the Krillist here today because um, anytime there's NFTs, like you've got, to, I've got to bow out and say like I, I I understand the utility, I understand the technology, the artwork is just like goes right over my head. So thank you, Kat, for for hopping on. Um, but Ryan, if you don't mind giving us kind of uh, the audience who, who may have not had exposure to you yet, a little bit of your background, um, and then we'll dive into you know a couple of your latest projects. Sure. Um, so my name is Ryan Zer. Uh, I have been in crypto since sort of late 2012, early 2013. Started mostly because I was running a Brazilian renewables company, and I started using Bitcoin as rails to send money home because I was getting skinned on remittance fees, sending money out of, out of Brazil. And uh, that kind of, you know, you take the, the uh, metaphorical trip down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and, and, you know, everybody has the same story of like getting lost and being up till 3 a.m. and their wife telling them that if they speak about Bitcoin at the dinner table again, they're, you know, uh, they're going to be put in the corner. And, um, uh, and so that, that became a passion of mine uh, throughout most of the 2010s. Uh, moved from the Bitcoin community largely to the Ethereum community in 2014 uh, because I just found that to be a much more intellectually engaging uh, uh, conversation and, and community uh, at that time. And so was lucky enough to participate in that first funny moment and a lot of other first funny moments of protocols and projects along the way. Um, I think I was the first person to give the MakerDAO guys money, which were, you know, some of them were kids at that time. And uh, then came into Polychain Capital after the sort of initial uh, a couple months of, of, of that project and uh, leaned into creating the SAFT. Uh, and then we did, you know, obviously the most SAFTs in the world. And as those projects went live, you know, Filecoin, Definity, Polkadot, um, uh, Avalanche, uh, wrote a seed SAFT into Solana and Nier and... Um, uh, uh, many other projects in the space. And uh, that was a really interesting cycle overall, um, both the mining cycle and the, the ICO cycle. You know, super grateful to be able to, to have sat at the eye of the storm of those and also very grateful this time around to uh, be again, you know, uh, center stage doing NFTs and a plater in gaming. So we're very early in Sky Mavis, which is actually Infinity, Yield Guild, um, uh, Forgotten Runes Wizard called, uh, you know, we've got a great gaming portfolio. Uh, and then obviously art became this thing that I became very 
inspired by the story, the two stories that have most inspired me throughout all of this time in crypto happened in this cycle, which is that story of people in the Philippines replacing their job that they had lost during COVID with playing this game and making like 50 bucks a day, which by the way, doesn't move the needle for you and I, but is a rich person's salary in the Philippines, right? And really changed their lives. Like that changed entire cities. So incredibly inspiring story. And then the other one of this sort of like rags to riches of digital artists who for many generations have not found their place in, in our canon uh, and the rightful place in our canon and have had difficulty commercializing their work because, you know, it's digital and could be replicated infinitely and you can't even prove like provenance or scarcity of the asset. And so that point of digital scarcity for artists became a really interesting and inspiring story. Uh, as you saw artists go from literally like having to do design jobs to pay the bills and so on and so forth to finding financial and artistic freedom overnight. And that was the, a really incredible story um, this time around. And so uh, these investments that I've uh, been making as of late have been through my family office. It is a bespoke uh, crypto wealth family office specifically designed for, you know, people who have made generational wealth through cryptocurrencies, which presents a unique set of challenges and opportunities. Um, and so that's, that's me. Yeah, no, so Ryan, I got, I got a couple of points I want to jump in on there and, and, and two, two main ones. We're, I want to come back to kind of the family office thing because that's a really important point that I, most people miss. <clears throat> but, but jumping back to, like, you, you rattled off, you know, like some of the top 50, top 30, maybe even top 20 projects, you know, over the last few years and in, in the last few cycles. Just talk about how much garbage you had to go through to find those. Uh, so one thing I would say is that the hit rate in crypto is higher than general venture because the path to liquidity is shorter, right? So you have some projects that you know can hit a, a, a cycle and you can, because you have liquidity faster, you can take a better risk-adjusted approach to early-stage investing, right? And so you can take principal off the table and like if that experiment doesn't roll out, that's you know, that's totally fine. You can play like the portfolio construction on uh, in crypto implies that you actually have a higher hit ratio than normal venture. So you do see a lot of garbage, but at the same time, um, over time, you get the filtration mechanisms right. And most most of my day is spent with really interesting people build, building really interesting things that I'm super inspired by. That's amazing. And then circling around to like family office, a, a family office is not a new concept. In fact, there's, you know, entire networks of, of family offices, there's entire businesses and, and, and industries related to servicing family offices. But yep. you, you said a point earlier, which is like, this is different. And, mm-hmm. and I like to make that point quite often is that, that web three and everything that kind of surrounds it is a very different asset class than web two, web one, or web one or anything else. And there's mm-hmm. a few variances that I, I believe in and you can, you can validate it me or, or challenge me on. And number one is the time, you know, for every day in the stock market, it's four and a half days in crypto. So the speed of innovation. We live in dog said, years, right? Yeah, it's so years. much faster. <laughs> and, 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 and the custody and the, the, the reliance on this is so much more internal than external. You like, that's great that you have a bank, but the bank isn't going to touch your assets. So you have to self-custody. So can you talk about some of the challenges that you guys have, have solved through this? Well, I mean, there's a whole range of challenges. Uh, uh, for people, there's often the challenge of if somebody has really significant generational, you know, decabillionaire wealth, but it's all in one extremely volatile asset, how you, know, how you handle a diversification program and how you stick to it. Um, and often that's a challenging conversation for founders who believe so much in what they're doing. Um, 
But then there are other sort of pragmatic challenges that also become opportunities. So if you can get world-class security, which we, we've invested really heavily in this, and and be able to execute on-chain transactions in weight uh, with like great security on-chain. And so your all of your stuff is not like off-chain and you can put your assets as more productive in this way. Um, the opportunities are really, really compelling. It's an entirely different way to look at investing, though. I mean, as as you sure. very well know, I mean, there's um, <laughs> there's a number of people who say they're fund managers, um, but but the 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 yeah. knowledge base that's we needed saw, truly. We saw now everybody, you know, as the tide went out, we saw who was swimming without shorts, right? Yeah, well, yeah, holy cow! Um, you know, it turns out that those ten thousand plus uh, percentage points that they were saying was was increases was was just leverage um, that they were doing. So, I mean, it mm-hmm. really it's it's a it's to do this responsibly. I think you know you you're you've done well, but over a long period of time, over many boom and bust cycles, to to mm-hmm. to stay where you're at, and that takes a real you know amount of diligence, uh, research, and and honestly, just just education of which there's no one that can teach you other than yourself. Um, well, I mean, I think just internalizing lessons learned along the way, like what happened in this cycle, for example, were lessons learned that most OGs already knew a long time ago. Synergy models, which are like algo stable coins, you know, under collateralization tools, uh, will suffer black swan eventually. There are no exceptions and we've seen it right over and over again, ohm and uh, e- empty set dollar and basis cash and and uh, obviously the big one with with Luna Terra. Uh, that's a rule that like most most people that I know, especially from like the early MakerDAO days, we knew that to be the case. Uh, never trade with leverage. Um, trading a high beta asset with leverage is like it was funny. My 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 a friend of mine who's been in in the game with me for almost this entire decade. Uh, said, you know what? I don't even know where to go to find leverage to, to trade. Like, it's not even something that would like ever pass through my mind as a thing to do in weight in, from centralized entities. And uh, uh, yeah, trading uh, like v- risk on crypto assets with leverage is like, it's just Russian roulette, right? And the third thing that I mentioned before that we just are constantly pounding into our, our, our member families and our employees on the way up, stick to the diversification plan. Make a percentage or a number for each month and stick to that no matter what uh, on, on the entire way up. You'd be so glad. You have no idea the number of families that have reached out in the last couple of weeks and been like, bro, like we ride for life, right? Like, thank you so much, right? Um, so... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Bitco- Bitcoin are- to you know crypto and Bitcoin to the moon isn't always a straight path. Yeah, um, sure. And while we like to think That's that that rocket ship is going right there, I mean, even Elon had a number of uh, explosions to <laughs> to get to consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, while you know, someday I think we all hope to see the, the stabilization of this asset class and, and yeah. less of the you know ninety percent up and down swings that can happen in a twenty four period. It's fun and it's exciting, but but we need to have that that stability. And right now, um, you know, clearly as as you said, the tide rolls out. It's like wow, there there was a lot of people that truly like. Um, you know, there, there was a lot more exposure than I think a lot of people had. And, you know, watching three arrows get liquidated. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's almost heartbreaking because you wanted to look up to yeah. these guys. You no, wanted to say I mean, they were Suzu's doing it right. Smart. Uh, I like Suzu and, and, and we've met a bunch of times over the years and he's a smart guy. And so, um, uh, 
yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to see. Yep. Um, yep. Wish, Lot, wish lots of lessons learned that I hope uh, can continue to flow forward. So, so talk a little bit. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about what you guys are doing because you're you're not just doing traditional um, an approach. Like you're kind of combining, you know, a little bit of AI. A lot. There's a lot of machine learning that kind of stuff going in. So, I'd love to kind of dive into there, and then and then, Kat, feel free to jump in as as you like. Yeah, I want to talk about Christie's and maps, but let's go through this first. <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, so, so very quickly, we've separated out the different, uh, uh, risk profiles and return profiles within crypto to, to be coherent in themselves. And then, and then member families have some optionality or we have just a pre-prescribed, uh, base, like, uh, a top end basis. And each one is named after a Swiss watch complication that has kind of a metaphor of what it is. So, uh, uh, the first is resonance, which is a very um, synergistic and highly experimental watch complication. That's the early stage venture stuff. That's the play to earn gaming. That's some of the early stage NFTs. So Yield Guild, Axie, Super Rare, things like that. Uh, and that is separated out from the mature token portfolio of like Bitcoin and ETH and, and, and mature layer ones and sort of large cap blue chip. DeFi. I'm not, I'm not laughing at the, using the word mature <laughs> or more, more mature than more mature. Than yes. That, right. Then, then like, you know, seed stage things, obviously, right. Things that have been over a billion dollars for at least six months, um, have, you know, a hundred million dollars of trading activity per day. Uh, uh, this sort of thing. And because those return profiles are very different, right? The return profile of yield yield and the return profile of Bitcoin are, are different. So why would you put those together? Cause mm-hmm. most crypto funds, as they get scale, eventually just become a Bitcoin beta fund. Because if they're holding most of their, their liquidity in, 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 in Bitcoin, you know, it doesn't matter what you do with these small SAFs. Like you could have a hundred X and Bitcoin goes down a thousand bucks and you know, your fund is actually down. Right. And so you have to separate these things out and, and early stage venture should be capital constrained the right size. And I think we've seen this with USV as well as many others over the years is the right size of an early stage venture fund is kind of, 150 to yeah, really over 150 it's it's starting to be a full house one 250 tops kind of thing yep. uh whereas a bitcoin fund you can scale right um and then you can yield on that and if you are applying you know yielding on the risk assets that you're that 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 you're into that you know helps with the compounding over time and if you're playing multiple cycles that should d- deliver superior returns but the third thing is really the special sauce so chronograph is um uh, market neutral yielding using a mixture of DeFi and um, uh, and MEV and delta neutral strategies where we stack them so that they have superior yield. And I think um, we're probably producing some of the, w- w- the feedback that we get is we're producing some of the strongest uh, DeFi yields on the planet. Wow. And that, uh, that vehicle is, is very, very interesting. The, again, though, it has to be capital constrained, right? You can't like put $5 million into this, right? Uh, and MEV as well, like it's not, it, you know, it, it's so capital efficient that you don't, like you don't need to, to, to scale it with capital. It doesn't scale linearly with capital. So it's about sort of a capital constraint um, uh, where you can produce superior returns if you're disciplined about the size of capital that you have. 
That's very interesting. A couple questions around that. What What's the size of your team that's managing this? Uh, 24. Okay. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a healthy size team big managing. Team. It's a yeah. big team. It's like, you know, 24 hour coverage and um, data science and, um, you know, multiple devs. We certainly have, I would guess that we have the most devs of any family office on the planet. I'd, I'd be surprised with another family where, office. Where did you find your devs? Like, where, where did you source? He'll never tell you the secrets. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll actually tell you. So Dean, my co-founder, is this like celebrity uh, uh, character among devs in the space, and he deserves uh, he deserves all all the acclaim that he gets. He's been known for calling out bullshit uh, way before anybody else saw it, and it coming true in, in the end many times. And you can look at that, but also just being a funny, irreverent, extraordinarily talented developer uh, who who talks the talk, but you know, also shows up in weight. Um, and so he, he's actually brought, uh, quite a number, um, into the fold and, and it's, you know, grown organically over time. Our culture is really special and we love being around each other. And so, um, yeah, you know, that, that creates its own pull. Yeah. One of the things I really want to point out, you know, for anyone that's listening is what Ryan's also describing is a, is a very large view of the space. And traditionally, you know, I talk to VCs all around the world every single day and I talk to a lot of project managers and whatnot. And Ryan, I, I like the way that you're putting things into buckets. Um, and while they're all connected in, you know, in a certain way, you're, you're, you know, you didn't talk about like, oh, well, here's our real estate over here. And I'm sure you have real estate exposure and all these other things. Mm-hmm. But, but the idea that you're, you're take web three. And, he, and then you break it down into various assets class. You've got metaverse, you've got gaming, you've got NFTs, you have cryptocurrencies, and then you're breaking those down even further. Like generally, the, the one of the challenges—I'm not going to say problem—but one of the challenges that I see that when investors come into the space is they they just kind of dive into a very you know like a singular point of view. Like the number of Bitcoin funds I see on a on a weekly basis that are starting. Oh, yeah, God. it's it's like it, it, I, I can't. Don't I even can't, get me started my, on our maximalism. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And, and generally, they're like the ETH. I, I can live with the Bitcoin people because you know they have their own levels of insanity. It's the ETH ones that that you know the kind ETH of like, maximalism is the worst maximalism. Yeah. We were born of the disdain of maximalism. I'm like, what is going on, guys? Like, I, I can't even believe. Like, it, and, we, I, we, and I and I and I and I listen for all of you before I get more hate mail. Like, I love. Oh, I think I think it's fabulous. I think there's a lot of really good things it does. But it's not like the chain of the world. Like it just, it can't be. Like there's not, you know, like w- otherwise we'd all be still dialing into like Prodigy is like this was the greatest one and one at all. Like we have to, yeah. you know, move past this into like a chain agnostic future because there's, there's, you know, really cool chains that are, that are being developed. And, you know, Ryan, you've invested, I think, in almost all of them. So, you know, clearly, you know, there's, there's great use cases and there's a lot of, a lot of time I and mean, we were far from mainstream. How, how do you, you know, from a, from a perspective, how are you absorbing that amount of Intel? Cause I do it from, from this level. I see it from my, my from the communities. I see it from uh, the podcast, the interviews I do. And so I get a lot of insight into kind of like where I see things going and exposure, but where do you mm-hmm. find like the, a really good source of kind of like watching the, the playing field? We lean into the youth movement, right? There's a, there's a generation of, of kids that have come up who speak this language natively. Right. Like when, when this started, like nobody had like the computer science, the cryptography, the economics, the governance, uh, part to, to like make a crypto protocol just like top to bottom themselves. 
and now there's a new young generation that is coming up who speak this language natively, right? Where we live in our 20s and 30s and speak it with an accent, as you would a new language. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, yeah, we we defer to to a lot of the great young talents in, in our team. Um, LA with with Forgotten Wizards and uh, our Forgotten Runes Wizard Cult, I should say, and um, and Dean with MEV and 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 so many other things. I look, we train young talent uh, really well, and then sort of trust them uh, in a certain way. Uh, That's amazing. And, and just take this dialectic approach of you know taking two sides of a debate and trying to drive towards truth of the matter. Uh, you know, very, very what, I, what I see at Ivy Wise, my, my legendary company, my educational consulting company, is um, find you know what I look for is finding that young talent. So one of the things I did uh, last year was write a course on uh, blockchain technology. NFTs and cryptocurrency for high school kids. I thought it was really important for them to be exposed to this. And, um, you know, still education really hasn't caught up with what's happening in Web3, not only um, at the high school level, but also at the university level. So, um, you know, my goal is to expose as many kids who I think, you know, can really dive in, can be those developers and inspire them um, and have things that they can look at, um, especially, you know, artwork on the wall. And, hey, can they interact with that and get excited? So that's something that's, you know, um, you know, personally really important to me. I've taught my own daughters about it. They both have wallets. They have an NFT collection. They can talk about it. Um, and, you know, they're quite young. So, uh, you know, I think it's sort of never too early in some ways. And, and, and I love that because we, we really are going to have to push the education system forward because it's, it's, it's pretty stagnant overall. You know, we're not quite there yet. You know, there's still a lot, you know, quote unquote on paper and mm-hmm. we, we have to move it forward. Um, how, how do you feel about the opportunity to mix play to earn gaming and make it sort of play to learn uh, education? Or, 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 you know, earn to learn, so to speak? I think that's amazing. So, first of all, I do run a gaming node myself, and I'm in this PDE world, um, and I have been in it as, like, a little side hustle. I think one of the things I've learned, actually, just in this conversation since talking to you, one of the good things I've done is I have diversified. I <laughs> have never leveraged myself. I'm... <laughs> and. I'm a hodler in, in, and I, and a collector also. And also a collector. Tell yes. us about the piece you got at, my, <laughs> at the Christie's auction. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited um, that I was, I'm really, really feel blessed and happy that I was able to win a piece um, at the Christie's auction that you um, curated. Uh, it's a Riesinger. I had my eye on that piece. Um, mm-hmm. I have another piece of his, but not a one of one. So, and this one I just thought was incredibly special. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just elated that I was able to get it. And what was wonderful was actually going to Christie's and seeing the, um, the entire exhibit of the auction in, in real life mm-hmm. um, and getting to experience that. And I've been following this, you know, the digital art, art, art space, especially with digitally native artists. And, mm-hmm 
this is a is that a Rafik behind Rafik, you? Yeah, it's yeah. a sixteen minute Rafik behind me. Oh, nice. Um, uh, for a long time, and and that you know what you put together, I thought was one of the most thoughtful, comprehensive, um, and important, really. Um, auctions. And so, you know, tell us a little bit more about it. And also with a great purpose, which I, you know, definitely spoke to me um, for maps. And, um, you know, I, I'd love for you to speak a little bit more about it since it just ended a couple of days ago. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're super ecstatic and just so grateful uh, to the artists, to the collectors like, like yourself. Um, uh to, in all the support that they've they've done to push psychedelic science forward, uh, and 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 help maps, which I think is an amazing social experiment, right? We've never really seen a a nonprofit lead a novel pharmaceuticals category, and this happens to be also in the category that is probably the largest problem that mankind faces, which is the mental health pandemic um, that we've unleashed onto our society. And I say this having spent a decade in renewables through the 2000s. And I can confidently say that technologically climate change is solved. It takes some time to implement the infrastructure, but technologically it's solved. We'll look back at that in the rear view at some point. But mental health is the, the biggest problem that mankind faces that doesn't have a resolution right now. And it's a big problem, um, especially post, uh, post-pandemic. Um, so, I, I mean... When I reached out to, to the artists, which incidentally are all artists that I've, as I've done the collecting, I've really enjoyed this part of being able to connect directly with artists. In contemporary art, you never connect directly with the artists, but in this new space, you can. And so I, you know, mo- a lot of the collect- collecting that I've done has been through personal relationships and, and, and reaching out and talking with the artists. You know, Mike uh, Winkleman, Beeple, he and I are very close friends. We talk almost every day. We, we grew up not very far from each other. And his brother, who's a brilliant engineer, is also a close friend of mine. And Rafiq and all these guys, the personal relationship has been really amazing. And so I reached out to some of them, asking them to do this, thinking that maybe a few would say yes. And the whole group um, came back saying yes. Uh, I, I was just blown away. And it, it, in the end, it makes sense because so many artists have had their artistic journey informed by their psychedelic journey. And in the case of many of the artists in this, uh, uh, in this drop, they cited that their very lives were saved by a psychedelic journey or a MAPS protocol. And some, in the case of some artists, it, it was actually a MAPS protocol that saved their life. Um, and so you like, you know, in seeing their success and how they were at the brink of one point, and that's what I talked about at the at the top of like how inspiring that that story of of digital artists emerging uh, and finding their their mechanism of commercialization uh, has been for me. Um, yeah, to, to to put this together was uh, was a lot of work, but a great like labor of love and shared so many like tearful moments with with uh, all these artists as as they made, and then they just showed up. Like I was expecting most of them to put like an addition or like, you know, because they're giving away this, in many cases, like six figure assets, right? Uh, and they all balled out. I can't believe how how hard they all went on it, and it was just like so, uh, so touchy to be to be honest with you. Um, you, so. you know, and, and Ryan, I just want to point out something, and that's <clears throat> I found this to be the most 
engaging, accepting asset class and collaborative of, of any industry I've ever been a part of. I've been in doing VC work for, for 25 plus years. I've, I've been in a variety of different asset classes. You know, kind of Web3, uh, for all the bad that you hear and all the scams and whatnot, like that's that's all the fringe, you know, things. Those, those people aren't part of the, the community. There is an amazing amount of of collaboration and and really thoughtfulness that wants to push, you know, this this thought forward. The thought thought that it's not just read and write, but read, write, own. You know, the fact that there's actual ownership that we're trying to, you know, like for all the wrong and, and for every bad story, there's a hundred amazing things that are happening every day. And and hearing you talk about, you know, artists which which are busy. I mean, and and, and successful artists are extremely busy. You know, to take their time and say like mental health is a problem. And I, I completely wholeheartedly uh, agree with you that it is the current largest pandemic we're facing right now. It's it's anyone that doesn't believe it. I mean, it's it's all over the news. You just they're not saying it. Yep. Yep. It, 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 the symptoms are manifesting in ways that we're not connecting the dots yet. But when you connect the dots, the the answer is mental health. Well, I, I feel I, I feel left out here because I'm I've never done the psychedelic thing. <laughs> so so I feel like there's are, like a boot, like a boot camp I need to go to or something here. Uh, not a boot camp. You can go to a super gentle uh, <laughs> a place either in the U.S. or 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 in the jungles if if you're so inclined. Uh, and the, you know, the experience of that, just getting out of your own echo chamber and being able to look at your life sort of removed from your own ego and, and sometimes, you know, have a, have a laugh at yourself and, uh, and, you know, sometimes laughter is the best medicine. Uh, it, it, it's a, just a great cleansing experience that we, you know, in fact, uh, we offer as, as a part of ongoing education, like people can t- take courses or they can go and take a, an ayahuasca trip. And that's something that, that, uh, the company covers, uh, with wow. open arms. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I thought what was really great for me as a collector was to be able to meet the artists in real life who I collect. I mean, that was a huge highlight for me. And I came from collecting legendary art, you know, we're moving into collecting dig- digitally native artists. And, mm-hmm. you know, the process is just, it's its just so much easier. I mean, already, you know, the auction ended two days ago. I already paid for and received my piece of art, in, you know, instantly. And, um, you know, it, it just doesn't, that doesn't happen with, you know, in the legendary art world. And, that However, the there is an so- interesting there is an interesting tax uh, consideration that that comes up that you'll you'll come to now next April, uh, but the 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 transfer of these NFTs have uh, uh, are are having really interesting tax rulings around the world um, that people are not paying enough attention to, but are probably going to have to pretty soon. Um, but that's I, I, I've got a, no, I've got a very a of- long. Yeah, I'm doing a, a very big push, Ryan. Any help I can get, I believe that we're going to push for regulation that the 1031 exchange should apply to cryptocurrencies and NFTs. So, if you if you hear it coming around, we're that, that's my new thing. I'm I'm yeah. I'm strumming up support for. You know what? That's why we're in Switzerland, where the regulation <laughs> is coherent, and we already yeah we don't worry in about the, that. In the skiing, the skiing <laughs> yeah. and the chocolate are better too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, New York is probably not the best place to be for that. But I, I hear you about the taxes because I have to actually have somebody who literally comes in every week and helps me with every little 
transaction that happens that goes to my accounting firm and make sure that we're, you know, I'm on the up and up and yep. paying and paying every little thing I have to pay, but that's okay. Um, uh, but also, again, I just think that... Um, well, we, we've the, just the seen si- this and unfold in different places, like where there's a physical and a digital. It's like, when do you... It's just like an in, intellectually an interesting conversation of like, when do you take possession of it? So like mm-hmm. there's a corresponding physical of that Andres Reisinger. Is that when that is sent or is that when it's sent to your wallet? And the reality is, is the tax authorities don't know. They, they don't have, like they don't have an idea of what, of, of, of a lot of different questions around the space. So it's just an in, interesting intellectual question that will take some time to unfold. Well, I'm definitely going to follow up with you about the physical. Sure. That goes with it. I'm very excited about that. But I just think that the auction itself is going to be, is historic. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, it is in so many ways. Um, And we just haven't seen an auction like that with the breadth of truly those digitally native artists in in one place. And... um, and I, yeah, I don't I know mean, all the one other of the lessons that I but... take. One of the lessons that I take away from it is that uh, the crossover, like the Venn diagram between the crypto community and the psychedelics community is, you know, has a really strong overlap. Uh, and, um, it, it, you know, I think there will be other ways of those two communities to support each other. I've been thinking around some, as we continue to evolve MAPS funding, but want to ensure that they stay nonprofit because if we make them for profit, then it's just going to bend towards the arc of capitalism and, and, and pharma profit maximization. And like, we should try this one social experiment where we don't do that. Um, and so how we continue to fund them, uh, I think we'll probably have an increasingly crypto native format over time. I'm very excited about the possibility of tokenizing cash flows over time. I'm very excited that this next cycle tokens will be valued based on their cash flows, which I'm yep. like, ah, finally. Wait for this for so A- long. Asset-backed <laughs> tokens. I, I fully agree. Right? Some of these things throw off compelling cash flows. Like, for example, a super rare against its current value throws off great cash flows, right? Um, and they'll be evaluated like businesses that throw off cash flows. And it'll be the best the best era. Because it'll be... Yeah. And even, it, even in this bear market, you saw that the sale did really well. I, I wanted you to comment on that because I think that's also important. Well, I think there's some interesting lessons there. When when all of the artists said yes and back in in sort of February, March, uh, I confess I would have projected higher than what we had today. But if you take the ETH price written down, if you just index for the ETH price back to, to then, it actually would have raised... Uh, somewhere around six million, which I would have been in tears if it had raised six million. Um, and so, when I think about it on a relative basis, you know, like sometimes it doesn't matter what you do on the micro if the macro goes against you, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't mean that you can give up your duty. You still like duty calls, and you got to answer the bell, and you got to you know do the right thing, independent of the macro conditions. And so, we launched into a bloodbath, but we did, I think, great all things considered. And I'm super proud of it at this point. Yeah. So I, I want to uh, swing back over to, to play to earn, play to live <clears throat> while, while we're got you. Play to learn. I love that. Play to play, learn. Like the gamification yep. of Definitely life. Definitely the future. How about that? 
with with financial incentives, right? Correct. Yes. Like that's the. Yeah. You know, so 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 uh, you obviously know Gabby much better than I do. I was I was fortunate enough to interview Gabby last year on on this podcast, and you know, he mm-hmm. really did open my eyes to go to. This isn't about you know we're in first world countries, like we're all beyond blessed in in ways that we can't even imagine. the The idea around you know somebody being able to come out of the the sweatshops, out of the rice paddies, out of the 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 the, the mud pits and the diamond mines and all these mm-hmm. these horrible things, and sit on the sideline with it with a very cheap you know Android device anywhere in the world. And when we think about VR and all this head stuff, these people don't have access to that. Like the access to a, a you know four year old Android device is about what they're going to get um, and some very rudimentary Wi-Fi or if, if they're lucky. The idea that, that they can create value, you know, just sitting there and playing, which a lot of them are doing anyway without any value, and then take that and, and they're learning DeFi. They're learning, you know, how to manage themselves and how to manage others in these guilds and these, you know, these different layers. It entirely changed like my perception on the play. You know, there's a lot of, you know, nascent you know, views on this. I, I was, I came away going, this is the future. This is how you, you bring an entire generation out of poverty is mm-hmm. by, is by leveling the playing field and, and shrinking the globe. Um, yep. And I think that's one of the what, things that Web3 does best is it eliminates borders. It's just gone. Like you are like all in the same playing field. Who would have thought that that video games would be the path in which we would realize UBI, right? Universal yeah. basic income. Yeah. Yes. Who would have thought? Right. We definitely live in the simulation or the future. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it starts with the kids. Right. Well, and this is the thing: is like it's a lot. A, a lot of the the successes in uh, with Axie were young kids that then parlayed in, in into a lot uh, into other things in the space and self organized and you know have these DAOs and we're in we're in dozens if not if not a hundred DAOs uh, are, uh, supporting this whole ecosystem and it's um, you know it's interesting we thought in the early days of, of crypto that uh, it would be emerging market countries that would find product market fit more than than, than say, you know, traditional countries, let's say. Uh, and you kind of forgot about that along the way, but, the, but here it's sort of playing itself out and, and you're like, oh yeah, like we, like we knew all along that it would be actually like emergent countries that would, that would find product market fit beyond the speculative use case, right? And that's really what was special for me is that this is the first time, like, yes, now they are also speculating, but it, the core of it was not speculation. It was it, it's it's contributing resources and and getting you know a financial incentivization mechanism that is fair and just and and uh, and is flexible over time uh, that pays a, a reasonable wage for for the resources allocated to the network and that's super compelling I think. And it allows them to to self govern in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, you can you can form DAOs inside DAOs inside DAOs, and and you know, really give so much so much power back. <clears throat> you know, which is which is you know, YWL's core thesis, which is communities will will truly run the world. Yeah. Um, you know, the, although the, there the, is one thing about DAOs that I would mention here is that from the first DAO until the most recent DAOs, um, it, it, and, and I was in that first DAO, and I've been in a lot since. There is this tragedy of the commons that commonly exists where somebody like, you know, buys one share and then comes in and the sort of loudest voice wins or people are not working for a salary or what, what have you. And DAOs need to be obviated away from the actual operation. And so this DAO guild model 
that that we talk about a lot internally and and also you know jammed on in the early days of yield guild with gabby is the the right play so that DAOs are obviated away from the the operational day-to-day um you know, at the end of the day, they're going to be companies, and they're probably going to be regulated like companies. So just treat them like companies. Have you seen Have you seen the Why Whales pitch, Ryan? I really appreciate you kind of giving a primer for for Why Whales. Yeah, uh, no, I absolutely will. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk later. But but cool. I, I completely agree with you. And the idea around you know communities and communities, which is which is something you guys have invested in, you're supporting and you're and you're growing um, with with YGG and, and Lava Labs and, and everything else. The idea that 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 suddenly your identity is is no longer based on your physical being, it's it's also your online identity. And right now, the, there's there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a unified online identity. You have your Facebook page. You've got your you know your your LinkedIn. You've got a variety of things that it's scattered about all over the place. But there's nothing that unifies it. And most importantly, you don't own it. It's not yours. So, mm-hmm. you know, the idea is, and I'd love to hear kind of what you guys have been seeing and looking at in, in this space around like online ownership yep. of identity. Yep. Uh, well, generally, I mean, I think core thesis at the, in the venture book is that there is this millimeter of space that exists between the metaverse and your real world identity. And that relationship of you reconciling your digital identity with your your physical identity is going to become an incredibly valuable bridge and set of bridges, really, a large array of bridges. Yep. Uh, and so we think a lot about about that. Um, that was a lot of the thesis around, around Human One, that it invokes this conversation about mankind's first steps into the metaverse. It's something that we think about really deeply in the gaming, where, and this came from my son, where you know, if I offered him to buy him like a pair of Nikes in in Fortnite or a pair of Nikes in the real world, he'd take the Fortnite Nikes, right? Yeah. That's where they go <laughs> yes. with their friends. That is their social network. Uh, you know, and the interesting thing is with crypto assets over time, those Nikes, not in the case of Fortnite, but in future games, he'll be able to resell those Nikes after he uses them for a period of time, right? So actually the smart the economically optimal play is his decision, not the real world Nikes, which we'd have to throw out after a period of time. And so that, you know, thinking about like, different forms of digital scarcity in this way and, and how they'll unfold and how they'll be valued for purposes of sometimes display, which I would argue that is a lot of what, what drives, say, PFPs is sort of social status and social inclusion in a club or whether it's... Um, uh, you know, being able to have cool skins with, with your with your friends or land that you actually build on and play on, all these things, all these digital assets. Now that there's digital scarcity through crypto assets, will have values ascribed to them, and will have productive markets. Like, you know, we'll we'll make more on like Axie Infinity land than people make renting you know apartments in New York, right? Like, on a certain scale. Yeah. Um, it- one of the things I, you know, when I, I give a, a, a masterclass um, to adults on, on, on blockchain technology, NFTs, metaverse, talking about this, and one of the big um, surprises that they learn is that this, you know, a one-of-a-kind Gucci bag sold for $4,000 more than the actual one-of-a-kind Gucci bag in the real life uh, in, in Roblox. And so why did that happen? It's because... That bag 
is will will be sold down the blockchain. It will be in perfect condition. And when I talk to women, it's like, okay, well, if you do have a handbag, is it ever really going to get ruined? Mm-hmm. There's a lipstick that's going to come out. You know, you can try to resell it on the real, real. And the reality is that you, you're not going to use that bag every day, right? But if it's in your closet in the metaverse where mm-hmm. everyone can see your actual whole wardrobe and what you own, that is it's going to be seen social even flex, right? more, right? The social right. flex. The social flex. And these are these are yeah. social flexes, which it, it, pan culture happens. All cultures, you know, there there there's a certain resonance with with being able to flex socially. This is kind of like baked into our sort of lizard brains, um, and so it it makes sense that the that 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 these will exist, right? And also be valuable. Like I have been trying to get some some watch some major watchmakers to do an iPhone, like a, like a fine iPhone watch, because eventually this space will become an, an NFT. Apple will wake up, do something similar to Twitter and you'll be able to have an NFT on your phone. And like a, like fine watchmaker will be, then be able to do an NFT as a watch on the space that a new generation usually looks at time, right. And be able to bridge their brand into the yep. future in this way. Right, like a Patek or an AP doing uh, an like an iPhone watch. I actually told uh, a, a company that I'll, I'll I'll keep private that if they did it, they'd be able to sell for the same price that they sell the actual watches. Right. Um, yes. And 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 that's the thing is the hardware is like you're not going to beat Apple on hardware, so just stop. You know, yeah. but I think the idea you're exactly correct is like there, there's a digital ownership. There's, you know, whether you call it artificial scarcity or, or just the fact that it's like, look, this is what we want to do. We, you know, we want it to be uh, mainstream, but we also want it to be exclusive. Um, you know, I, I think says a lot and, and it's true. You know, we, we all have watches and cars and things and these are heavy assets mm-hmm. that, that degrade sometimes over time, you know, one way or the other. Um, they may increase in value, but they're heavy assets. The idea that you have these lightweight assets that, you, that have, you know, immediately liquidity which is something you talked about earlier, is just such a game changer um, that that it's still going to take some time for the mainstream to understand. Like the wallet situation is is horrendous. I talk about it constantly. I, I hope somebody fixes it soon because that's the point of which will allow us to come online. Um, and, at, you know, Apple's working on it. Everybody's working mobile, on it. Mobile or web, you mean? Like crypto wallet? At, yeah, and it just, just holding wallet, your assets, managing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. I mean, mobile, it's got to be mobile. It, it, the, so funny thing is most OGs in the game I know don't by design don't use mobile with crypto. Oh, yeah, I would never I use mobile not. today. You don't I would it, not right? touch it's mobile like, today. It, it, it's a strange thing. This is a strange but it part needs of to be. crypto, right? Yeah. Um, I don't have my MetaMask, anything on my cell The mobile will nothing. come unquestionably and it has to for the play during gaming cohort. Yeah. But I just offer the data point without uh, judgment that most people who evolve in crypto over time evolve to the to the web version which is probably just a symptom that we haven't solved mobile yet but we have to for sure yeah we're we're, we're, we're still so a few early. minutes away we're still early right it's it's so early. I mean, yeah, it's, it's we, like, we, we, I, I equate you know like we're we're arguing over like modem baud rates yeah. when we're talking about transaction speed. Like these are things that no one should ever care about. Like no one should ever be like, yeah. oh, you you use Amazon S three? Well, I only host on Azure. Like it's just like yeah. it need, that the whole layer of which we're we were building out say needs to disappear and it needs to be an amazing experience from from start to finish. That's why Web two is Web two. It's like. App, the iPhone was, you know, the mobile version. Like we all had Blackberries, and it's cute, and it kind of worked. 
But it was never mainstream until suddenly that touchscreen and the games and the apps appeared. And we haven't had that in, in blockchain, I don't believe yet. So I have a question for you because you are an OG. Um, when you think about the future and the legacy you want to leave behind, what does that look like? Uh, I'll be completely forgotten and completely irrelevant. And that's fine. And I can laugh at that and just trying to, you know, maximize this, squeeze every bit of the time that we have. And then I'll be forgotten within probably six months. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> what's the uh, leg- no, what's really the legacy you want to leave to your kids even? Um, well, so, it, so very truthfully, you know, from a family office perspective, we do do a lot of thinking with, with groups around, around being intergenerational. And, you know, you, you end up tending towards these mechanisms that have to kind of dole out, but uh, remove governance from, from like capital spending so that you don't have like, you know, some crazy kid run in and it's like, you know, lose 80% of the family's money because they have control or something like that. Right. There, there has to be this mixture of, of over time, the next of kin passing tests and like being financially responsible and competent to like sit on a board along with non-familial members who are professionals and, and all these things. And there has to be this like stewardship of this that obviates away the fact that not all of your kids may be into the same thing as you. And that means that they shouldn't then be removed by the one kid who is. Uh, so they have to, the rights have to be protected. Basically, you have to make a human blockchain. That's basically what you end up doing in order to like think about it. Like if you're thinking intergenerationally from like a capital capital distribution perspective, you kind of have to create this Byzantine fault tolerant system, depending on the amount of of, of beneficiaries that you, that you have, and uh, and that requires a lot of, of of thinking around familial versus versus non familial members and power, because you also don't want like some rogue lawyer to to be able to co op. Uh, everything in like two generations or something, right? Yep. Um, one of the, one of the things we, we think a lot about this, that, and then oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to comment that one of the things that we implemented this past year was writing a course for high school students on um, financial literacy. Just just adding, you know, we, we I look at you know K twelve schools around the globe, and it's just not a course that's across the globe that kids need to, to learn. And I think they need to learn. And I started teaching my kids very, very early. And I think at four, I started teaching them the, the, you know, sort of the earn, spend, you know, save, share model, you know, just the very mm-hmm. basics. But I think learning about financial literacy itself is critical. Um, and then especially when you get into, you know, um, multi-generational wealth and how to pass that on. And it's something that I find that is lacking in our, you know, in, in the education system really across the globe, unfortunately. So I'm trying to make a small difference in that way. That's, That's awesome. Great. The interesting uh, observation that has come up, I've been doing this thing for a decade and the it has been you know, any success that I've enjoyed in the 2010s is more due to this process than anything oh. else, uh, in truth. You get this clear snapshot of where you are in a moment of time. Uh, and more importantly, you get the opportunity to chalk 
mistakes up as lessons learned and physically turn the page on that, uh, uh, on that chapter. And so that you can take away, uh, what you need, but also let things go. And, um, sometimes people really geek out about the journal and, and find this really interesting. But again, it's not necessary. It's just sort of like one of these kind of very esoteric things that we do with, with member families. I love that. So, I, I really I, think that's amazing. I is that a, is that too. like just a true journal, or are you like block locking this into the blockchain as a as an no, actual? No, 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 no. Oh, come it's on, you can degenerate. Personal, it's a personal document <laughs> that somebody makes. It's more, yeah. It's it's very much like think of it like a finance. It actually started as a sort of a financial report of like all of my consolidated uh, businesses, and then o- over the years evolved to add like more poems and and quantified self and pictures and things like that. That's amazing. Uh, and just having that once a year snapshot of like where I am realistically, being honest with myself about what went well and what didn't that year and where I want to go in the next year, I find that putting the things down on paper have this like strange effect of causing them to be realized. Um, so That's amazing. Can you, can you give us an example of something you've had to let go and how that felt, what you, um, what you went through? So... So when it started, actually, the, 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 a good example is how it started. The first year, I got to the end of the year, and I was running some companies in Brazil, and I had angel investment and, and a bunch of others, and I sort of got to the end of the year, and I said, okay, did I, Ryan Dirt Inc., actually make money? And then I was also going through a, a difficult time personally, and um, and sort of had to just get like real about the mistakes that I uh, had made and what I need to do to, to like, you know, to turn that page. And, um, uh, and the, the process of going through it, uh, it, again, allows you to, you know, to be real with yourself and have that snapshot. And the answer to that question, by the way, that year was, no, I did not make money. <laughs> I worked my tail off all year and didn't make money. Um, but it was good to like have that, right. Uh, and be real with yourself about that so that you can make the alterations that you need to. And, uh, and then also on the, on the personal side and, and over time, uh, the more that I put into the journal, the better my life went, uh, overall. Um, it's a, it's a strange, it's been a strange process. And now seeing my guys, at, because it's mandatory at dialectic and now seeing them put multiple years together and, you know, how they've matured over time, it's been incredibly, uh, heartwarming to, 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 to bring, these young that's fabulous, and 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 in YPO, which is where a lot of us come from, <clears throat> we do monthly. Um, you know, short, very, very, you know, kind of like you know, business, personal, family. Break it down. What's your numbers and, and lots of that stuff. And I, I've I've digitally had these uh, going back now almost almost nine years. Uh, and it's and I I just did it the other day. You know, kind of look and, and kind of see like where am I progressing? Where are my numbers been? So yours yours sounds like really fabulous. Once a year, kind of I, I love I love that idea. Ryan Ryan, as we kind of uh, head towards towards close right now, it's the alpha drop time, and and you're clearly exposed to a bunch of things. Just just you know one or two projects. That that again, without financial advice or anything else, just just kind of has your brain uh, <laughs> excited about some of the the you know what people are working on. Um, I mean, I'll I'll give some high level thematic ones, and then maybe we can maybe we can dive into to a couple of projects that that are interesting. So I think in the fourth cycle, we're going to see the emergence of a social network. Uh, there's been many uh, instances in the past. Um, 
I've written some white papers on it in the past. We've not ever seen the, a successful model emerge, mostly because the models preserve privacy over social discovery, which is a difficult uh, balance to, to, to maintain. And then they need to get the financialization layer right, which none of them have, have really done that properly yet. And so thematically, I think like the big ticket home run uh, uh, alpha is we'll get serious about crypto social in this next cycle. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but it's certainly a theme that I'm, I'm, I'm scouting for, uh, from more of like a, a, a here and now, uh, point of view. Um, we are very excited about some like liquid token opportunities. I think looking at projects from a cash flow perspective, like look at what curve threw off in cash flows this past week. It's like, <laughs> right. There are things, there are businesses here, right? There are real companies that are throwing off cash and we're leaning into this pragmatic approach of like, you know, some of these are throwing off like above 50% APY on the, on the, on the buy, like on a PE basis, right? Yeah. They're actual um, real companies. Sure. For sure. Right. Like, like PEs of 0.86 and like, you know, 1.4 and stuff like that. And so, <laughs> um, that's a real interesting like uh, note to lean into, and there's a whole broad set of, of protocols. And I don't need to—I I don't think I need to spoon feed um, anybody that can go to onto ter- token terminal and figure it out. It's not that difficult. Um, uh, and then overall, I'm extremely excited about how we're carefully designing a uh, a collector pool for really significant. Uh, um, historical artifacts that you can like human one and the biggie crown with my collector DAO one of one. And we're, we're then getting very low, uh, loan to, to, to value, uh, debt on those assets and being able to put them into DeFi and yielding opportunities and then being able to use these capital assets and yield on top of them. And then with the gaming assets, renting them out to yield guild and, and, and others and yielding on these NFT assets. And again, looking at them as a yield to value ratio, uh, like just standard, like Benjamin Graham, you know, margin of security, uh, like very sort of mechanical analysis of stuff that survived through this, through this bear market. I think that's probably, you know, that's probably the most interesting thing to me right yeah. now. Ryan, you just described something that most people may not understand. It's like you think about, yeah, you can go buy that Ferrari and, and you can put it in your garage and it can absolutely appreciate in value and, and you got to take care of it. You got to do the service to everything else and it's going to sit for most of the time. The thought that you can take those assets and loan them out with no depreciation, no, no anything and, and manage that in a monetizable way for, for yourself, the owner, as well as the investors and the users, like, it, it, it's really it's hard to think about because the, the the game board hasn't really been invented yet. We haven't really seen yeah. the full use of this technology. And I love just hearing your thoughts uh, around kind of where this is going. Yeah, it's very rudimentary still. It's super laborious for us to to do NFT lending on our portfolio, but that's what one of one what one of one does. And uh, this actually all started when I bought the Dick Milking Factory from from Beeple and. You know, and I chatted because the joke that we're making in the office is that we're going to put the dick to work, milk and yield. 
right? That's exactly <laughs> what we did. <laughs> so we got dead on it and and put it to work in 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 as they all should. Lighting, and you got to you know <laughs> put it to work, milking that yield. Uh, and that just you know he he he's, he like he loves comedy, right? And so he loved that, and and that kind of became its oh own its own thing. That but then it, we sort of woke up and we were like, wait a sec, this is actually interesting. And then the punks and and the nouns and the and the apes and the things that have established floor prices like Beeples or punks or or what have you, you can yield on those. You can't. It's actually super tough. We can yield on them, <laughs> and and that's what we do. Uh, um, uh, it, but it's not as, it's not as straightforward as, as, uh, DeFi is. However, it will become so there's a lot of cool that's, stuff there. So that's all, that uh, you know, Pond so Finance and, and, and so Nifty Fi and others that are popping up. I think, uh, I think there'll be a really interesting opportunities in the crossover between NFTs and, uh, DeFi, not NFTs or DeFi. It's the crossover that really the magic will happen. It, it, I'm so a, interested in that. I'm just, yeah, we, we can I do an entire all sorts of things yeah. like going off in my head right now. Yeah, about we can that. do an entire hour on that one, Ryan. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have a quick question actually sure. about one of the things you said about crypto social. Who do you see as an up and comer? If you see an up and comer as a winner in crypto social, um, lens is interesting. I'm going to go out on a limb and say nothing else that I've seen is going to be it uh, from what I've seen. And I may be wrong, and there's some interesting stuff happening in like BitCloud and, and others, but Lens is certainly, I think, the most interesting experiment yet since Akasha, which was the first one. Um, and there's been many, there's been so many in, in between. And I've always been really excited about this because when creators will be able to monetize directly from their, their uh, uh, fans... I, I mean, the incomes for creators are going to get to become really, really interesting. And then people are going to migrate very quickly. Like it's slowly, slowly then all at once. And as soon as like a Logan Paul or a Jenna Marbles or whoever else finds out how much people are making over on this directly incentivized platform rather than you getting a cut from the, the advertisers under booking, blah, 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 uh, it'll, it'll, it'll happen fast. Um, and I thought that maybe Elon would have the uh, uh, have the opportunity to do that with Twitter, which would be epic. But uh, you know, Google, uh, Microsoft didn't win search. Google didn't win social. Uh, uh, you know, Facebook won't win Web three, and and these incumbents are are probably not the the vehicles that will produce the emerging winner. And that's probably a trillion dollar company. That's probably the yeah. defining, like that's like a, you know, a, a Google venture outcome. Uh, and so somebody will get that right. Lens is pretty cool thus far. Love it. Ryan, I, thank Ryan, you. thank you so much for the, the time today. Absolutely love it. Why whales? We really appreciate you. Kat, as always, thank you much. Ryan, don't go anywhere. I'm going to hit the stop record, but, All right. but don't Thanks, hang up. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having um, me thank on. Thank you so much. It. Absolutely. That's Ryan with Dialectic and, and Kat with uh, the Krillis. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. 
be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. Why Whales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by TruthWork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.